And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. The Athletic. George. Mmm. Mm. Two seconds. Sorry, I'm going to let him let him out into the kitchen because he's getting grumbly. Two ticks. Hello, I'm Taylor Payne and welcome back to Pod on the Tyne. Uh, we're back on home soil this week after last week's German exploits. And I'm joined by Chris Wolf and George Corgan for another bout of white-hot Newcastle United chat. George Corgan, how the devil are you, sir? Did you enjoy the South Coast? You always do. Well, I would like to begin this podcast, uh, Taylor, by reading a short personal statement, if I may. Today I am formally announcing my decision to resign from one of the great offices of state, namely the Athletic South Coast Newcastle United correspondent. This has been one of the great privileges of my working life. I think back to the 3-0 at Brighton, when Steve Bruce should have been sacked and was not, the speeding fine I suffered on the way home, and, of course, the dislocated knee from running two days afterwards. I think back to Bournemouth last season and the Covid that I contracted. How could I forget this season at Brighton and arguably the nadir of Eddie Howe's reign, the 3-1 defeat, of course, until this past weekend when a 2-0 defeat at Bournemouth left us all feeling desperately miserable. It is now time for the younger generation to step forward and seize the moment. It is time for Chris Woff to get up off his sausage buttocks and lead from the front. I will of course continue to offer my full support for this regime from the comfort of my sofa and I shall not be taking any questions at this time. Thank you. What do you think of that, Chris Wolf? You and your sausage buttocks. I think you missed off also the time when I called him from having returned myself driving back from a COVID test centre to tell him that he was going to have to go to Brighton at the end of the week as well for a, for a 1 1 draw, which had Eddie Howe in the stands as well for Graham Jones in charge. So. It's, it's just beyond a joke now. I'm just not I'm not doing that anymore. That is me done. That's me finished with the South Coast. That is, I've, done, I've done my bit. You haven't seen a win, have you? Not a single win. I can't remember. I mean, I've seen them win at Southampton. Southampton, yeah. That's me. That's me. That's me finishing now. I'm not doing that again. No way. Well, it looked like you had a nice time to me on the train. I thought it looked like you had a decent time. <laughs> well, the coming home was probably the best bit of it. Yeah, I mean, for many reasons. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm sure some people have seen. But um, yes, got got back to Bournemouth Station about nine o'clock on the Saturday, feeling miserable. With with uh, with with Charlotte, our friend uh, from True Faith, she she was mm-hmm. down covering the game, and we met up with Ash Lord, who's the communications director. I think he is at, at Bournemouth. He's a he's a mate of both of ours, and we met up. And um, on the platform, we then almost literally bumped into Amanda Staveley, who was going home from London, and she was incredibly downcast after the match, as you would sort of expect, and we all were. Yeah. And then we got on the train. I was supposed to be doing my work. That got put on hold. And we had a couple of drinks and we had a chat and it sort of did remind me of that sort of great thing about football is that you sort of share these moments together and when days don't go your way, part of the process is coming away and talking about it. And by the end of that train journey, it felt much more like a good day than a bad day because we'd had a bit of a laugh and we sort of cheered up. But. I mean that was that was very funny, and she yeah she put a picture on Instagram which has had a lot of uh, a lot of responses. But one thing I, d- I did want to just kind of point out about that sort of whole experience was something which I do think sort of presents the club 
at its best in in some ways. So she talked about going into the into the dressing room after the game, and of course we know from St James's that that she and the other directors do that from time to time, and you know we've seen them on those famous victory pictures. But she wanted to do it after that defeat, and I think she thought about it a bit anyway. And she said that she'd she went in and she talked about her pride in the players and pride in the coaching staff. And she got very, very emotional talking about how she felt sort of powerless to to help them at their sort of moment of need. And she apologised for that. And she had a big hug with Eddie Howe afterwards. And I just, I don't know. I I think my thought about the whole weekend, well, obviously we're going to talk a lot about the sort of nitty gritty of the match, but it was that sort of feeling of, feeling pride, even though it was a terrible day, Feeling sort of that sense of unity and togetherness and being there for each other in those bad moments because, you know, there was one one little moment after the game that, that attracted a, a lot of attention. But I think you sort of take a step back and these are the times when you offer support as a as a fan base and as a club and, you know, whatever. And I just thought that was a really, I thought that was a really lovely moment. I loved hearing that story and I think that is sort of Newcastle United and it's best at the moment yeah. that everybody's in it together from from top to bottom. I also just want to say that George has probably now alerted everyone to the fact that Amanda Stavely loves squashies, and I'll be. I imagine now people will just deliver them to the director's box at St James's Park. Yeah, that was very funny. Yeah, she she um we sat down at the table. And we we'd like raided the little garage before the station and got a few gin and tonics that was that was kind of quite fun and she had a couple but yeah she she brought the squashies she she said she can't get squashies near her house so she was like gone to Bournemouth wow. gone to the big Asda in Bournemouth and bought three different types of squashies and some matchmakers and they were her favourites she got a sweet tooth incredible an oversight on Swizzle's part to not sell squashies in, in London by the sounds of it so in the posh bits of London yeah absolutely yeah George, if you could just draw people's attention to the fact that I love steak bakes, please, that would be great as well. Yeah, I mean, so the other thing really to, to to emerge over the weekend is that Taylor Payne is a massive fan of huge fan of steak bakes. So if you would like to, can't get them near my house. Can't get them near Taylor's house. So if you could send any steak bakes, spare steak bakes Absolutely. to Taylor's house, that would be great. Thank you. That was my PA, George Colgan. Any, anything else? That's fine. That's it. Chris, how are you? You all right? I'm not too bad, thank you. Yeah, I am not. Uh, I didn't have to go down to the south coast. I just watched it. Uh, watched it from the comfort really? of my own sofa, as uh, George seems to want to lovely. do in future. Uh, but no, well, it wasn't particularly lovely because the uh, the way that the game descended, as we're going to get into, was not a uh, yeah was not uh, particularly brilliant. But no, apart from that, I am very good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm good. I think my insides have just about recovered from Germany. I think I'm just about there. <laughs> So yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm feeling a bit more like myself now. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a week, hasn't it? Come on, you Maggie. Uh, right, let's get on to that Bournemouth game then, shall we? Um, Lewis Miley got a full Premier League debut. Callum Wilson wasn't risked, was he, Chris? It's a bit of a hodgepodge team, and it's uh, it's absolutely square pegs and round holes at this point, isn't it? I think that's a very positive way of looking at the Callum Wilson situation because Eddie Howe came out afterwards and said <laughs> he's going to be out for quote unquote a number of weeks. So oh, uh, so Newcastle's yeah. injury situation is is mounting. I mean, we'll get onto it a bit later on, but I have conducted a full squad audit to try and work out the three players who may be available for Chelsea next week. It is just a little bit they have a few more than that but not many but uh, yeah Lewis Miley Howard said before the game that he sort of had a he, he hoped he had a solution to to the Bruno Gimaraes being suspended That and it was to bring Lewis Miley the 17 year old who'd become Newcastle's youngest ever uh, European representative at Dortmund midweek to, to become Newcastle's youngest ever Premier League starter and he played in that number six position Cool, composed on the ball. Yeah. I thought he was he he acquitted himself very well in a difficult situation. Um, it's not, I'm sure, how Eddie Howe would have liked to introduce him. Ideally, I think that they would have liked to get him more minutes off the bench over a course of a few weeks, maybe play him in a few more League Cup games. But needs must for Newcastle United at the moment in their patched up squad, and certainly of the, of the players uh, on Saturday. I think that Lewis Miley was 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 among the pick of the of the of the Newcastle ones. We'll get on to a Nick Pope was certainly Newcastle's man of the match, but Lewis Miley was was a positive as well yeah definitely I mean coming in to replace Bruno Guimaraes who we know is the great irreplaceable in this Newcastle team you know Newcastle haven't won a league match without him since he since he first started playing and it's a tough it's a tough ask it was a tough ask for everybody on on Saturday night but he 
I yeah, I just think it's just very exciting to have a player of his caliber in the club's ranks, and we'll obviously see a load more of him in the in the months and years to come, which is yeah. just brilliant. So great that he got that out of the way. It wasn't a kind of usual hectic, intense start, was it, Chris? Do you think these were instructions from how, or do you think the players are maybe trying to conserve energy with them being so tired? I think it's a combination of a few things. I think Bournemouth had tried to be aggressive from the off as well. I know Iriola has wanted to do that with, with his side and it hasn't quite worked necessarily up to this point this season. But they, he said afterwards that they, they sort of realised that Newcastle had potential weaknesses, particularly with, with personnel. And I think that their ambition was to, to start quickly and see if they could disrupt Newcastle. And that worked. And whether that was uh, a, a timidness on Newcastle's part because their way record is becoming a big concern. They've only won one of the last eight in the Premier League stretching back to last season albeit that was an 8-0 victory at Sheffield United but they are struggling uh, on the road they've had four away games after Champions League matches as we've said before which has not has not been easy either but they also haven't won yet in Europe on the road so it's, it's been difficult for them in that in that situation and given the personnel and the fact that really that team hadn't really played together before you bring Lewis Miley into it they haven't started many matches together and so that lack of familiarity probably played a part in that but you've got to you've got to credit Bournemouth as well I think they started quickly and that didn't allow Newcastle to go about things as they usually would and the fatigue probably also played a role in that too. Yeah, pressure from that home side early on. It didn't really board well, did it? There was a great tackle from Jamal Lascelles, George, wasn't it, early on after Solanke kind of dawdled on a golden chance. And Jamal's re-emergence has been one of the few positives, hasn't it, over the last few weeks? Yes, and to sort of take that off into a slightly different direction, this was very much a pre-takeover version of Newcastle that we saw. Once Almiron comes off and Matt Ritchie comes on, I think it was sort of seven, seven players that Eddie Howe inherited you know, we're on the pitch and it's just asking, it's asking a huge, huge amount. They've done so well, those players, yeah. particularly since the takeover, but they've all grown from having quality around them and that quality is just sort of lacking at the minute. But Jamal, no, I mean, I, I, I do think it's one of the kind of great stories of the, of the past few weeks, the way that he's come into the team. He's playing, he's replacing someone in Sven Botman who's been absolutely magnificent for Newcastle since he's joined. We, you know, Plenty of people sort of asking why why Lascelles was still captain, why he was still knocking about, why wasn't he moving elsewhere? And he's shown, you know, he has shown in recent weeks that he's still got something to offer on the pitch. It's been really good, and um, yeah, but it wasn't a game. It wasn't a game that anybody will look back on with great f- fondness. Solanke got two goals. He could have had hat trick. And, you know, Bournemouth could could certainly have had a few more goals. But yeah, it was it was on the cards. It felt like it was on the cards from the start. It was it was it was Bournemouth. And, you know, they'd 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 won their previous home game. They looked to be full of confidence and they looked like a team who knew that they had a chance against this this Newcastle in in their current state and they they took full advantage. Uh, Chris, I'm starting to get a little bit tired of seeing Newcastle players going down clutching the hamstrings. It seems to be a recurring theme now. It's, it's two, three times a game, isn't it? Fabian Scher went down, uh, which sort of triggered a, a quick summit meeting, didn't it, for for the team with Eddie Howe. And then Matt Ritchie comes on and has to replace uh, Miguel Almiron, who also went down clutching his hamstring or his thigh, whichever, whichever part of his leg it was. It was up around that area. And it's just happening far too much now. It is. And it just, the situation's just being compounded by the fact that you get one injury. And then because Newcastle are playing such a high volume of matches, high intensity in a, in a short period of time, then those players who have to play more because there are fewer bodies, then they have greater strain in them and the risk of injury increases even further. And so. Uh, I've, in this squad audit, I've looked at it, and Newcastle potentially will have 12 first-team players unavailable for Chelsea. That is because Lewis Hall is ineligible to play against his parent club. Yeah, Miguel Almiron, uh, they've released in Paraguay that he has suffered a grade one tear which of his hamstring, which in one sense is a positive because it's the lowest level of tear he can have, but it's also a tear of the hamstring, and that's probably going to be a matter of weeks before he is available. You also look look at other positions and who will Newcastle actually have back? It sounds like Callum Wilson isn't going to be available. Alexander Isak, possibly, but will Eddie Howe risk him to bring him immediately back in if he doesn't have Callum Wilson available and if it's touch and go, he might not want to risk him. Sven Botman is a bit more uncertain. There seems to be mixed messages on, on that front from people close to him who I've spoken to. The suggestion is that hopefully we back 
immediately after or soon after the international break, but also the way that Eddie Howe's talking, that itself could be a bit of a risk because there basically is knee injury. They're not exactly sure what's going on and whether they have to just play him in, uh, to, to, to see if he's going to be all right or right. they have to risk an operation. It's going to be one or the other. So you go through basically every position of the team beyond goalkeeper who Newcastle are managing to stock their bench to a certain degree with goalkeepers too every week. Yeah. They have injuries all over the pitch and it's very much square pegs in round holes. And uh, yeah, that the that that Chelsea match is going to be another patched up squad because the vast majority of the players are not coming back anytime soon. So uh, Lewis Hall was hooked again at half-time, George. It's a shame for the lad. He's, he's kind of been the make-way, hasn't he, a few times in, in, in recent weeks. Uh, Livermento came on it right back initially and then was switched a little bit later on. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think we all probably feel very sorry, sorry for Lewis Hall. It's been a really sort of brutal sort of introduction to life as a Newcastle player. I thought he was absolutely fine at Bournemouth. I mean, not spectacular. I thought he did okay. I think in that sense, he was he was kind of unlucky to come off. Eddie, you know, Eddie Howe was was asked about it afterwards. Obviously, pointing to those previous times he's come off at half time, and he yeah. he said a couple of things. I mean, the, the you know the problem Newcastle are having at the minute is because because they're getting injuries. He's having to sort of ration when he makes his substitutions. So that's part of it. And then the other thing he says is that at the moment Lewis Hall just isn't ready to finish matches. So it's about when he when he does it. I mean, he'll come good. You know, I'm I'm sure he will. But at the moment. Livramento of the two young fullbacks Newcastle signed in the summer just looks like he's at home in the team. He's been really, really good, and he's obviously able to play on both sides. Yeah, it's been a tough, uh, been a tough start for Lewis. I mean, you mentioned Livramento looking comfortable. I think that was the surprise that maybe he didn't actually start at Bournemouth, and that it had been yeah. Trippier at right back and Hall at left back. But again, that's to try. I'm sure that's the load that Livramento's been under over the last few weeks. You got to remember he's come back from a long term injury as well. He can't play too frequently otherwise the, yeah. the risk of injury becomes greater but Livermento and Trippier also switched during the second half and you had Livermento's strong run which eventually led to Anthony Gordon creating the, the chance for himself but that, that brings me on to another point you've seen in the last couple of matches and this is I think out of necessity rather than anything else Eddie Howe has changed and tinkered within matches far more than normal and that's because he's trying to find a solution to, to problems which which are just being created by all these injuries and trying to protect all the players and so there was essentially four different players played as strikers at different points Gordon started there Joe Linton comes in the middle and it was that was very very Newcastle United uh, 2019 uh, second half of 2019 and that wasn't yeah. it, that wasn't ideal and he still doesn't look like he was holding the ball up well actually to be fair I thought a few times he came deep and held the ball up well but we know he's not the sort of goal threat in that position as, 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 as that is really needed but but Newcastle are in this situation where Eddie Howe has to keep changing things around he's got to try and find solutions he's got to protect different players and unfortunately Bournemouth were just too strong for them at the day had too much fitness compared to Newcastle's too, too much energy and Newcastle couldn't deal with them no, Newcastle were poor after the goal, weren't they, George? And, and the game looks completely over after the second one goes in. Bournemouth just kind of striding through us repeatedly towards the end, weren't they? Yeah, it was it was pretty harrowing. As I said, you know, Bournemouth really could, should, would have won more comfortably if not for Nick Pope. Nick Pope, definitely the man of the match. Fabulous. Yeah, and they really, you know, again, Newcastle's chances. You're talking about a team that didn't have a centre-forward on the pitch. It was Anthony Gordon mixing around with... with um, with Gillington, and that's what I say. It was a you know it was a pre pre takeover sort of team because we're seeing we're seeing Big Joe up front again, and it's you know that's not something that any of us particularly want to want to see. And they just didn't they just didn't um, they just didn't lay a glove on Bournemouth. So you know not 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 good not good at all. I have to mention that save that Port made towards the end, mind because. That's that might be one of the best saves I've ever seen him make. To be honest, it was similar to the one against Crystal Palace, but it takes a deflection and it's it's come at him at some speed. The ninety seventh minute the one, bar. right at the end. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable save. Yeah. That absolutely yeah. incredible save. Uh, he kept it respectable, didn't he? Lewis Miley as well, Chris. He wasn't the only debutant, was he? Young winger Ben Parkinson entered the fray as a centre forward. He showed plenty of energy and willingness, but it was a tough environment for him to make any real impact, wasn't it? Yeah, these are the situations where young players get opportunities but I but really they're not the opportunities you necessarily want to give them. Ben Parkinson came on when it, when it, the team were already really struggling 
they didn't get the ball to him often enough in positions he would necessarily want it. Newcastle were chasing the game by then. And also Parkinson himself doesn't necessarily have the experience to come in. Lewis Miley has been in around the first team picture consistently and his scene has almost been a wider part of that first team squad. Parkinson has trained with them, but it isn't necessarily considered that he's sort of ready for this stage. But again, it's, it's needs must at the moment. And then that's yeah. there's cer- certainly... He shouldn't be ashamed of the performance he delivered at all, uh, ben, ben Parkinson. I think that he, he will remember that day and it should be a very proud moment from that he played for Newcastle United in that environment. But this is a very difficult situation for everyone associated with the club. Eddie Howe says he's never experienced this situation in, in 15 years uh, of management. But that doesn't stop the fact that he has to keep selecting a side and he has to try and balance the course of the next few weeks. The games don't relent. There's this fortnight break when thankfully a lot of players will get a bit, a bit of a rest, no Gordon in the England squad, the likes of that, but then you have other players who've gone away on international duty in Newcastle just have to hope and pray that they return uh, fit because they can't afford to lose anyone else. They really can't. Absolutely not. Right, we'll be back in just a second after this little break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So, we suspected it would come. Newcastle's first defeat in eight Premier League games off the back of a hectic 10 days that started with famous wins at Old Trafford and at home against Arsenal. Then a huge occasion in Germany, and with 11 players sidelined, becoming 12 when Almiron was forced off, yet there was still some whinging, wasn't there, George? The Kieran Trippier incident, it, it's got a little bit of uh, coverage, hasn't it? He had a little altercation with a fan in the crowd at Bournemouth. Yeah, and so this was this was afterwards. So as as always, Newcastle's players and staff went over to the to the travelling fans, and they went to the to the East Stand at Bournemouth, and I was on the other side of the pitch, but you could see uh, from a distance Kieran Trippier being led away by Gillington. And, you know, it then emerges on social media that a fan's had a go at him and he's sort of had a go back, but basically in a very mild sense saying, um, you know, are you, are you saying, are you saying that we're not giving everything? How many injuries have we got? How many injury, uh, uh, yeah. injuries have we got? And then gets hauled away. But, I wrote about this at the start of my piece that I wrote about the match because I think it was sort of emblematic of a day which felt very tired and a bit ratty and a bit grumpy and grotty, but also then ended with this sort of feeling of support. Howe was incredibly down after the match, but he spoke repeatedly about backing his players, supporting his players because they've been so brilliant for him. And what happened after Trippier has that sort of little altercation with the fan is that the rest of the away end, spotting that something was happening, yeah. sing Kieran Trippier's name. The fans are emotional, of course they are. They've, they've travelled a long way. They all spend a lot of money, of course, to do to come and watch us. And, you know, it's just having a, having a chat with one of them, um, just saying that we are giving everything. Of course, it's no need to panic. That's what I was saying. We're still in a good position in the league, you know, Champions League. We're still in that Carabao Cup quarter-final, so there's no need to panic. Okay, we got beat, and we, and we do apologise for that result. But the most important thing is that the lads are giving everything. You know, we 
we're given even more under the circumstances. And what happens in the evening? The the fan that that um, that had made those comments apologised, held his hands up, and 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 said sorry. And these players have given everything. And you know, I think you do have to always look for context and and look at the circumstances. That is Newcastle's longest trip of the season. It's a five thirty kickoff. It's fucking horrendous. You know, f- massive hat tip to the fans that have gone there. There's no tra- you can't get a train home yep. from Bournemouth at that time. And they've seen a, a you know Eddie Howe said that was even when Newcastle lose when or lose you'd see a Newcastle performance that wasn't a Newcastle performance. So it was a bad day at the office. It's not just about the injuries, but then there are the injuries as well. And you could see that the players were struggling, and they have given a huge amount. And so. I kind of felt sorry for for everybody, really. I felt sorry for the people in the stands who, you know, it's been a big week. Some of them would have been in Dortmund. And then having to kind of sit sit through that, stand through that, watch that. I feel sorry for the players who are being stretched. And I, feel, I felt sorry for Howe, who's been, you know, who has been absolutely incredible as head coach. I mean, he is the best thing to have happened to Newcastle in a footballing sense for a generation and more. He's been exceptional. And part of the pain of Saturday... Really, it's like we know Newcastle are really good. And so our pain now is about when Newcastle aren't really good. <laughs> and it's a lot better than a couple of years ago when we either felt no pain at all because we were completely numb to it or the pain was Newcastle being shit. It's a sort of exquisite kind of pain that we've got at the end of a week when it's been Man U, it's been Arsenal, it's been Borussia Dortmund, it's been little bits of history. And at the end of it, there's this big disappointment. But that disappointment does have a really important context. And the whinging was absolutely the exception, not the rule. And it's it's because we've got high standards now. You know, we've got high standards. That's it. I can completely understand fans being frustrated, going all that way and spending all that time and money yeah. going to support their team. And I can completely understand players being frustrated as well, yeah. putting all of that effort in, preparing all week, and then you have injuries to your first team players and people go off and it changes everything and, and you have to struggle through the game. I see it completely from both sides. The, the problem with the situation we're in at the minute is nobody's fault. Nobody's to blame for any of this. It's just unfortunate. We have to try and just get through it together the best we can until we're at a point where we've got players coming back. And then we'll see the real Newcastle United again, won't we, Chris? It's just, it's one of those. We're, we're just kind of stuck in this moment at the minute and we just have to get through it. Yeah, it felt like the last two games were maybe steps too far. I mean, Arsenal, the win was huge, but even in that match, Newcastle still weren't quite their normal selves in an attacking sense. And the amount of energy expended over the course of, of, of the, up to this point, point of the season, I then go to Dortmund, didn't disgrace themselves, but again, didn't look like the, the Newcastle that we expect. A difficult evening. Suddenly the Champions League group looks very, very difficult in terms of whether Newcastle progress from it. And then they go to to... Bournemouth in the same and as George said I think that this is sort of mental and physical fatigue maybe for everyone including fans and players and absolutely I think you'd be concerned in some ways if there wasn't a frustration on everyone's part then Newcastle have gone to Bournemouth and performed like that and 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 the reaction afterwards because that is not what Newcastle United think and expect themselves to be now and expect themselves to be going forward. Everyone they've moved so quickly in the, in the space of these two years, as we've said, but already standards have shifted. And 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 that Eddie Howe said that afterwards. He said nothing, no part of that performance was a Newcastle United performance that he comes to expect. And so yeah, I see this from all sides. It probably wasn't a situation that anyone wanted to play out on social media with videos going out there. But I think that the way that everyone handled it afterwards was, was quite magnanimous. Everyone sort of backtracked into their, their own sort of positions and sort of said, yeah, this that was probably a heat of the moment sort of thing and we, yeah. and we move on from this. And I think that that's fair enough. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to start off by by sort of telling that that story about Amanda Staveley going to the dressing room afterwards. We've all heard stories about owners or directors storming down and saying, you know, saying into teams, what, or, what, you know, what was that? What the fuck are you playing at? But actually, her first response was to, you know, to to express empathy with them and to, you know, to take responsibility that she wasn't able to help them more. And I think that's that has absolutely been at the heart of why Newcastle have been such a strong proposition over the past two years. It's everybody, it's everybody coalescing, everybody coming together, and you know that that has to be at the core of. Of, of the club everyone's suffering everyone's struggling and so you you get together and get through it together that's the only way to do it and I think also you know it's when you have bad performances or bad days that 
that's when you take a step back and sort of realise how great things have been. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Eddie Howe talked about it being an emotional day, and I think it was. I think it was for that reason. I think everyone was sort of upset afterwards, but you know, the response to it has to be to to come together. Very important. Absolutely. We had a good message on Twitter from Pablo and also somebody called Kingy with a similar question as well. Uh, do we need to adapt the way we play? They call us athletic or Tyneside on the Athletics Totally Football Show. Uh, but is that Simeone style intensity part of the problem with such a small squad at the moment? Chris, what do you think? Are we making a rod for our own backs here with this kind of play? Well, I mean, you could argue that to a certain extent, but it's also what what has Newcastle got Newcastle in the position they are. That's the Eddie Howe way. That's the way Newcastle got here last season. And clearly it's going to take... We knew there was going to be issues this season. Eddie Howe said it early on. They knew it was going to be a tough season. I don't think anyone expected the extent of the injury list to be as, as long as it is at the moment. But... And obviously the Sandro Tonali situation has only compounded matters further. That's not an injury. That's a situation nobody foresaw and that's just, just made things worse. But I do think Newcastle are still learning and evolving in that department. Bodies have to get used to that for a start. Whether you can play that intensely this often every week, three times a week, I think is a point that some sports scientists may debate, may argue against. Others would say that you can. But then you also look at improving the squad depth going forward if if and when Newcastle build beyond so they don't have a team in the second half which sort of represented the, the sort of pre-takeover era. Once they have other players who are brought in specifically for this style and this system, maybe you can play that way. At the moment, given the, the number of absentees Newcastle have, it's going to be difficult for them to continue in that manner. And I do think there is going to have to be some compromise in the coming weeks. It's also a week on from from Old Trafford or you know a few days on from that when we were complimenting the players who came into the team for playing in exactly the same way that we would expect Eddie Howe's Newcastle to play it was it was seamless at that point yeah you know in spite of people being in unfamiliar positions you know the comparison to Man U who who looked all over the place was was very telling and the great strength of of Eddie Howe at Newcastle again look at the way it took Anthony Gordon time to adapt to the to the team is that everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do now we've seen situations in the past certainly under the previous manager of people trying to adapt the way the team play in the middle of a season and it's really difficult so I totally understand the question because when you've got this hard pressing hard running style is does that exacerbate injury well I think I think what exacerbates injury is, as Chris said earlier, if you've got a tiny group of players who are being asked to to play too many games effectively, you it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that you're you're risking injury when you've got a t- when you've got a, t- a moment of, of bad injury. I just think that's sort of the way it, the way it is. I, th- I think sort of ripping things up at this point isn't the way forward, particularly when you've got so few players on the grass. And yeah, okay. You know, okay, there's a bit of time now before the next game, but there's players away international duty. I just think that's a that would be a big risk. Fair play. And George's match slash State of the Union report is available on The Athletic. And if you want to read that, you're going to need an Athletic subscription. Uh, you can subscribe now via theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pay just one ninety nine. That's pounds, dollars or euros a month for your first 12 months. And saw a better reaction to the women's team away at Mancunian Unity after they won 9-2 in the FA Cup first round with a hat-trick for Jasmine McQuaid and a memorable celebration from Anna Soulsby on what was evidently her dad's birthday. Uh, They're going to travel to the northwest again in the next round facing the winner of Wigan v Chorley. Uh, A huge league match for them away at Forest on Sunday. The lasses are doing all right at the minute, George. They're doing brilliantly. They're just rolling on, aren't they? Week after week after week. um, they're They're a great example. Yeah, it's been it's been a great run of results for them, and yeah, fingers crossed they can uh, they can carry it on. Absolutely, back in just a moment. So Chris is doing a squad fitness audit for The Athletic, which will be published soon after this podcast. And it's vital that there's no more damage to the squad in the next 10 days, Chris. Uh, Callum Wilson and Miguel Almiron, they've both pulled out of their uh, respective international duties, haven't they? Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, Callum Wilson, well, both of my hamstring injuries, Wilson, quote-unquote, a number of weeks, which from Eddie Howe, I mean, God knows what that actually means, but it doesn't look like Callum Wilson will be fit and available for, for Chelsea. And he's sent out a tweet basically saying that 
his disappointment at not being able to represent uh, England because he he's, he probably needs to be playing between now and next summer to, to make sure he gets in, in that Euro squad and this, this may damage those chances. Miguel Almiron, yes, there's been an official statement from Paraguay national team as well confirming he isn't going to play in their matches in, in this grade one test. So they are two very important players for Newcastle, two v- regulars in the starting eleven, and they are not going to be facing Chelsea almost certainly and when exactly they are back at Newcastle side hopefully it's sooner rather than later but they can't afford to to be joined on that treatment table because I'd be there but surely can't be any room left on the treatment table I mean can you have everyone on there together do you have to top and tail I don't know how it works but yeah <laughs> no idea absolutely no idea but the, the mental image is quite something uh Cole Palmer was called up in uh, in Callum Wilson's place so Kieran Trippier is now our only England representative. There's a chance he might start. Uh, if it was up to me, George, I'd gaffer tape him to the bench and not let him move. Put wrap bubble wrap around him and just say, "Look, mate, you're not playing." Yeah, I mean, he could do with a rest. I mean, I think, I think, I think there's been tiredness in his game. Um, He's had a dead leg as well. Weeks. He had a dead leg against Arsenal. So that's right. Yeah, had a dead leg against Arsenal. Schoolyard injuries don't count, Chris, as you well know. He's, he's um, dead he's, leg. He's uh, he's such, such an important player to Newcastle. I mean, one thing I think Newcastle have cause to be grateful for, and in, in a kind of bitter sweet sort of way, is that Anthony Gordon didn't get a call up. I mean, I think if anybody deserves a call up from Newcastle's ranks it's him he's been absolutely magnificent this season he's um you know with with honorable mentions for for Trippier for uh for Fabian Scher as well I mean I think he's been Newcastle's best player and yeah. it's kind of seems ludicrous that he hasn't been picked picked but I think you know from a Newcastle perspective I think we we should feel a bit of gratitude for that finally he gets a bit of a a bit of a rest Chris talked about Eddie Howe's um, interesting behaviour when it comes to talking about injuries. I mean, it is a source of sort of humour, and I don't think I don't think kind of journalists mind. In fact, at his press conference uh, on Friday last week, you know, it was the one after his two-year anniversary. He was congratulated on never giving a straight answer about injuries, and he laughed and said, "Thank you very much. That means a lot." <laughs> um, but you know, none none of the stuff about this is. Is uh, is made up? Is it? It's just a really, really difficult time, and absolutely have to hope that the players who have gone away come back all right because just can't afford, can't afford anymore. Definitely not. Um, the England game is on the Monday night, so there's a bit of a gap before the weekend. Brazil, on the other hand, they play in the early hours of Wednesday against Argentina, Chris, don't they? So that's. Uh, not ideal for Joel Linton and Bruno. It's not, no. I mean, that'll be a very intense affair as well. We know the, that uh, Brazil-Argentina is a huge rivalry, so if they do feature as you expect that they would, whether the start, I'm not I'm not entirely sure, but you hope that they come through unscathed. The knock-on effect that even if they, they do, well, what that means for Newcastle on the Saturday, I mean, they're basically almost certainly both going to have to play, but whether they are a peak fitness, it's not ideal that there's a lot more games for, for them going through uh, this period when they've played so many up to this stage as well. So I think Lewis Miley is going to be needed over the course of the next few weeks as well because you can't expect the other midfielders to just keep playing. Yeah, and, the, and you know, sort of one point that we sort of didn't mention talking talking about Bournemouth. I mean, that was a game that Bruno missed. I did mention Newcastle's record without him. They don't they don't win a league, yeah. league matches without him. They haven't done so far. One of the big ideas about signing Sandro Tonali in the summer was to mitigate against that. I mean, it was the whole point was that was it was something that was that was said from people right at the top of the club. It's like we can't. It's not sustainable for us to have this situation where if we miss one player, we're not going to win. And so Tenali, he would have been playing at Bournemouth. We have to sort of remember that as well. No, I mean Bruno is so important. And yeah, yeah when we talk about talk about the international players, he's absolutely the most pivotal. Hopefully Brazil will be will be sensible with him and he comes back okay. Yeah, I'm reading this next point as well and it says Fabian Scher may be involved in up to three games for Switzerland in this break. I'm seriously considering writing a letter. Dear manager of the Swiss national team, please excuse Fabian from uh, national duty as he is needed at home to do more important things, signed Fabian Scher's mum or something along those lines because that's nonsense. You can't, you can't make the lad play three games. That's bollocks, Chris. Well, from a Newcastle United perspective, you'd, you'd have to hope not. I mean, Cher himself, if he's asked to play, I'm sure he would want to represent his country in the, in those three games. So it's it's a very difficult situation. That this is the, the, the this is a far wider debate than just about Newcastle United. It's a, it's about 
the amount of football that players have to play. Newcastle are in a unique situation that they haven't dealt with before, but this is a situation that Man City have had to deal with for years, where their players are playing between domestic and international matches 60 to 70 games a year, and that is just not... You can't cope with it. Bodies cannot sustain that repeatedly over and over again, and so it's, it's very, very difficult. And we just have to hope Fabian Scher doesn't certainly start all three of those games because it would just that would just compound matters for that, particularly given that it looked like he did at least tweak his hamstring at, uh, at Bournemouth. And we'll be playing Chelsea uh, at home on our return, George, won't we? It's a great time for them to return to form as well, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what does a four-four count count as. I mean, is that is that a return to foot? Yeah, I mean, absolutely astonishing game against Man City at the uh, at the weekend. They're full of goals. They 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 smashed Tottenham four-one in the previous in the previous match as well. So, yeah, not um, not ideal, but they're conceding a few. So it's um, it's teed up to be uh, teed up to be a big one. And you know, of course, it goes without saying, but it's it's the start of then another absolutely massive sequence of matches for Newcastle that three game spell Chelsea at home Paris Saint-Germain away Man United at home in the space of a week it's just a massive week but it's it's there to be it's there to be anticipated it's there to be relished these are the games that we've wanted for so long yeah it's the first time that we've experienced this as a club as a fan base as journalists as players coaching staff for a very very long time but it's what we've always dreamt of and um so we have to we have to relish it as that it's yeah again Bournemouth very disappointing Borussia Dortmund yeah disappointing but this is this is absolutely the time of our lives and we have to remember that yeah, December's schedule doesn't look any uh, less gruelling, does it? Let's be honest. Manchester United on the 2nd, followed closely by Everton uh, away on the 7th, Spurs on the 10th, uh, and then the Champions League is back on the 13th of December against AC Milan at St James's Park. Uh, 16th of December, uh, home to Fulham, uh, EFL Cup against Chelsea on the 19th of December, and then back to Premier League action versus Luton on Saturday the 23rd of December uh, before finishing off that little run uh, with uh, the 26th of December against Nottingham Forest at St James's Park. And then we're off to Anfield on New Year's Day just to cap it all off. I, I did just want to make one other little point when I you know, mentioned mentioned Brighton um, back on the sep- 2nd of September that I had the misfortune of being at and things did feel pretty, you know, that things were wobbling a little bit back then and Eddie Howe talked about learning lessons and rebuilding and things like that and Newcastle had lost three of the first four games of the of the season and you know they then did go on this really good sequence of unbeaten matches which included beating Man City in the League Cup which included the 8-0 which included over Sheffield United which included Paris Saint-Germain 4-1 and so we should never underestimate the power of the of the squad and the and the club and the team to to kind of get their act together and find out solutions because they certainly did when we were questioning things a little bit or worried a little bit and again it's not just about being sort of starry eyed and only seeing the sort of good side of stuff the romantic side of stuff and being a cheerleader but all of this has come about with the great feeling of sort of togetherness and unity and I'm, I think if we carry that forward then there's really nothing to be to be feared. A couple of little questions here from Twitter and email, just to round things up. Uh, Jamie on Twitter says, is the away form a concern? We're going into December with Sheffield United, the only Premier League away victory, uh, reminiscent of both 94-95 and 03-04 seasons, where away form proved costly. Chris, what do you think? Well, I mentioned this earlier on, and it is becoming a bit of a trend, both domestically and in Europe. I mean, the the... Sort of, there's there's two huge sort of caveats to that, and they were the eight nil victory at Sheffield United, and also the three nil victory at Man United in the Carabao Cup. But in general, Newcastle haven't scored on the road in the Champions League. They are conceding goals on the road in the Premier League. Two 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 draws when they led on both occasions at West Ham and Wolves before that defeat yeah. at Bournemouth. It, it is difficult, and it is something which is whereas their home form has been almost imperious, their away form. It is a bit of a concern, but if they keep the home form up, then they should be on course to finish certainly top seven. But then it's beyond that, and it's it's how you. The reason why they got in the top four last season was because the home form was so strong, and they they do need to to improve upon that. But with every situation they've got, with all the Champions League fixtures following, uh, with the, following on, they've got away games and all the injuries. That's where you would expect because you don't have that additional lift that you may be able to get in home matches. 
That was exactly the point that I was going to make. We have to remember that the four Champions League games so far, all of the, which have been followed by an away match, until Bournemouth, yeah. Newcastle managed to stay unbeaten in those games, albeit not with sort of hugely convincing performances every every single time. That must affect those results up to a certain extent. But yeah, it it kind of needs to be addressed. I think Newcastle have only won they've only won one one away from home this season, and you know I think every team in the in the top fourteen have have managed more than that. So it is something that Eddie Howe was was asked about on Saturday, and he said yes, it's something we need to look at and address. I think there is something there, but again, there is there is a bit of mitigation. It's it's really tough that they've had to play away after those European games. That isn't the case after PSG. They are at home. It's against Man U, so it's not easy, but at least that's a at least that's a change. And it's the same after Milan as well. They're then home to Fulham. So at least that's a little bit at least that's a little bit easier. Absolutely. Uh, we've had an email from Michael Smith as well. He said, how can you build depth in the Premier League these days? Spending is capped, and even if we did spend more, we can't add that many players to our squad due to homegrown requirements. Chris, what do we think? Well, spending is capped, but you can also you can you can improve the level of player you have throughout your squad, be that the, the actual first eleven or the players underneath them, and that's what Newcastle tried to do in the summer, and they certainly improved the squad, albeit it doesn't look necessarily look that way now because of the injuries and suspensions that they've got. But also, if you look at the likes of Man City, what do they have? They have a lot of players who don't need to be registered in the senior Premier League squad because they are younger players. And for example, you have the quirk, it's different in the Premier League and the Champions League. So Lewis Hall and Tino Livermento, for example, are named in Newcastle's Champions League squad because they have to be. But in the Premier League, neither of them are named in the senior 25-man squad because they are under the age of 21 and you don't need to do that in the Premier League. So you can build greater depth that way. That's something Newcastle are trying to do, but it's 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 about raising levels all over the board. And if you raise the level of, of the squad and you raise the level of the first team, then that you build that depth but it's something that takes time and it's still it's still a work in progress and and the the, the level underneath as much as a lot of players have, have improved the level underneath the reality is that it's pre-takeover days that's still where Newcastle are they haven't managed to fully change the entire squad as they didn't want to or intend to at this stage but that is where it'll come over time so we're not getting any uh, reinforcements before January basically uh, unless of course can we recall Yakuba Minda Chris what do you reckon can we recall him? Newcastle can do that in January. Whether they will choose to, I would be at this stage sceptical about. It's something I'm going to look into, but I think that the point was to get him greater minutes elsewhere. If he is, yeah. if they're in such an injury crisis that they may need him, they may bring him back. But I think ideally for his development, they would like to keep him out if they can. He's also in the middle of a recovering yeah. from yeah. injury injury himself. In um, <laughs> sounds last, about right. Last month he <laughs> was. Right um, he was ruled out with for several weeks with a with a muscle injury. He's he's obviously made a, a great impact at Feyenoord, which is really good to see. He's only nineteen. It's asking a lot, and yeah, you have to weigh up the value of leaving him where he is to have the experience of playing for a great club in Europe and getting regular minute minutes, as opposed to yeah. arguably filling in for a short period of time and then not seeing much football. So there's there's a lot to be weighed up. Anyone else that we could bring in, Chris? Papa CC on a free, maybe? He's uh, he's uh, now could a free do agent. A job. What do you think? Could still do a job. Yeah, well, I think he's joining... A uh, couple of thunder bastards. He's joining Alex Bruce at Macclesfield, I think, isn't he? So, yeah. I've heard he's training with Macclesfield, yeah. It's amazing, yeah, isn't it? that's a suggestion, yeah. 38 years old, still trying to bang the goals in, bless him. And we can't sign him, but there's a young fella called Shelby currently turn, tearing <laughs> it up in the Turkish Super League. Did you see this, George? Goal from the halfway line? I mean, he only tried it every week for, for six or seven yeah, years. Yeah, he did. He? It, was a, it was a... Fami- Once come off. It, it was... Uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, you should look it up if you've not seen it. It's an absolutely brilliant, uh, brilliant finish. So this is why producer Ollie had messaged earlier asking if Joe Willock's uh, OG in my interview with him when I didn't know who, what that was, whether that was John Joe Shelby. Right, that's why... Uh, that's why I asked that question. Original gangster. Jojo Shelby, kalecinin önde olduğunu gördü. Kaleye doğru mükemmel bir gol! Jojo Shelby, jeneriklik bir gol attı Rize'de. Uh, so it sounds like there's nothing before January then. Uh, so we better buckle up. Uh, next week, 
something we've been planning for a little while now. We've got some great guests lined up to talk about ticketing, so please do send us your moans, whinges, gripes and grouches about the club's changes to their ticket sales system. Uh, It's likely we'll get a healthy reaction to that, so please do keep your messages as brief as possible and we'll cover as many of them as we can. Pod on the time at theathletic.com is the email address, so get on that. Uh, Our inbox is mainly sausage recipes at the minute from self-proclaimed Prairie Geordies, which is great. Uh, but do join in. Chris, the Prairie Geordies and their sausages? I imagine that piqued your interest, did it? Yeah, I mean, they've talked about turning them into sliders as well as in little mini burgers, which is just great. I mean, sausage in any form, I'm quite happy with. So uh, you can clip that one up, Ollie. I'm sure you will. So I've heard that about <laughs> you. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Right then, I think that's just about it, chaps. Thank you very much, George, for your time. You're very welcome. Before we go, I just want to give a shout out to my mate Jamie Eastlake mm. and the cast and crew of Jerry and Sewell at Live Theatre. This is a production based on the season ticket, which then became Purely Belter, as as we know. And it's on at Live Theatre at the minute on Newcastle's Quayside. Chris and I went to see it. Uh, last week, we took Darren Eales with us, the Newcastle CEO, nice. and we had a splendid time. It's an absolutely brilliant show, brilliantly performed by Dean Logan, Jack Robertson and Becky Claiborne, and would recommend it not only to anybody who likes football in Newcastle, but but a good night out. It's um, I'm sure Chris would agree with me. It was um, a, splendid, a splendid night, and uh, bravo to them. And that is on until the 18th, so this Saturday, so tickets selling fast, but... But have a look at that if you uh, if you get the chance. Brilliant. I'm going to try and get across and see that at some point this week. Jamie messaged me as well and uh, and asked me to, to to come over. So definitely going to go and have a look at that. Uh, right then, Chris. Thanks very much for your time. You're very welcome. I just wanted to give out a shout out to uh, Michael B on the Athletic app who replied to the last podcast saying Chris is such a negative Nelly. We beat Bournemouth. End of. I mean, I mean that's not me digging about to say Newcastle didn't end up beating Bournemouth. But what I found weird is usually my I am very negative. But what I actually thought after the Dortmund match was I was saying that I think Newcastle are better than Dortmund and that the injuries have really affected them. So I just found it a little bit odd that the week where maybe I just maybe it's just I can't do positive. Maybe that's just my issue. I just can't. Nothing I say comes across in a positive manner. So I apologise to everyone for that. Clearly hasn't bothered you, Chris, has it? Clearly hasn't bothered you at all. And and just 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 to round this off nicely to bring it back to the start, Chris, you can you can very much look forward to seeing Newcastle smashing Bournemouth next season at Bournemouth, just as you can look forward to seeing them smash Brighton at Brighton, because I'm not fucking going. <laughs> right, that's it. Have yourselves a great week. Get yourself some rest. We'll see you again very soon from everybody at Pot on the Time. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Athletic.